God is good. Amen. I want us to stay in an attitude of worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to turn to chapter 145, Psalms 145. I have a word that God laid upon my heart this week. I think it's going to be the simplest message I've ever preached. Simple yet profound and deep. And this psalm is right where we are in the service this morning. Amen. So if you're there in Psalms 145, I want you to say, got it going to begin reading in verse number one. We're going to read nine or ten verses and we'll jump down to verse 21. And this is David speaking. He said, I will extol you, my God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Amen. Look at verse number two. Every day I will bless you. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you when I feel like blessing you. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you when things are going good. He said, every day I'm going to bless you. Amen. In the Hebrew, it's the word Baruch. It means to bless. It means to salute. It means to congratulate. It means to thank. It means to praise. It means to kneel down. The psalmist is saying, every day, God, I'm going to salute you. I'm going to congratulate you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to kneel down before you. Amen. Each and every day. He said, I will praise your name forever and ever. Verse 3. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. They shall utter them the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Look at verse number eight. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. How many of you are thankful that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion this morning? Amen. He's slow to anger. He's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies over all of his works. I want you to jump down to the last verse, verse number 21. It says, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord in all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever and ever. Can we just take a moment and lift our hands and bless his holy name? Hallelujah. We bless you, God. We love you, God. We give you praise. We thank you, God, for your presence that we sense this morning. We ask, God, that in the remaining time that we have today, that, God, you would speak your word to our hearts. We thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said today, amen and amen. You may be seated.
What we have before us in Psalms chapter 145 is we have a Psalms of praise. You may not know this, but this is the only time in the book of Psalms that a specific Psalm is referenced and referred to as a Psalms of praise. There are other Psalms that will talk about praising the Lord, but this is the only time that a psalm is identified as a psalm of praise. It's not a psalms of thanksgiving. It's not a psalms of prayer. In fact, Psalms 86 is actually referred to as a prayer of David. But here in Psalms 145, we have a psalms of praise. And you may not know this, but David did not write all of the 150 Psalms that we find in the book that we find in the Old Testament. He had some help. David only wrote half of the Psalms. To be exact, he wrote 73 of the Psalms. Some of the other Psalms were written by Asaph. Some were written by the sons of Korah. There was a psalm that's written by Moses. There's psalms from Heman, from, from Ethan, and there's, there's 50 psalms. We're not sure who authored those psalms. But what you need to know this morning is this is the last of the 73 psalms that David will write. Here in Psalms 24, 145, this is the last of the psalms that he will write. And in his last psalm, David is going to empty his pen telling of the glory of God in his words, a greatness that no one can fathom. So many of his psalms focused on his acute pain in life, but here in the end, here in his final psalm, his eyes are going to look upward rather than inward. Now, this psalm does not lend itself to an outline in the reason being in Hebrew wisdom literature. This is referred to as an alphabetical acrostic. Now, give me a moment to explain what he's doing here. We know that there are 21 characters in the Hebrew alphabet, and there are 21 verses in this Psalms. The first verse is going to begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second verse will begin with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and so on until the close of the Psalms. And can I tell you what I believe David is doing here in Psalms 145? It's David's way of saying that God is great from A to Z. Amen. And it's David's way of saying that God is worthy to be praised from A to Z. Amen. The scripture says from the rising of the sun until it's going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. David said in Psalms 34, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. 
and let us exalt his name together. Can I tell you, church, we're to bless the Lord at all times because he's worthy from A to Z. Amen. In the good times, we're going to praise the Lord. In the bad times, we're going to praise the Lord. In joy, we're going to praise the Lord. In sorrow, we're going to praise the Lord. The scripture says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be his name. In life, we're going to praise him. In death, we're going to praise him. When our backs are against the wall, when we're surrounded by our enemies, when sickness comes upon us, when our relationships are falling apart, we're going to praise the Lord. Jesus said, if we keep quiet, what's going to happen? The stones are going to cry out. I got news for you, church. I don't want a stone to cry out in my place. And the Psalm says, let everything that has breath, let him praise the Lord. If you're breathing this morning, you need to praise the Lord. And praise is not something we do once a day or once a week. We're to praise God always. We're to praise God in every way. We're to praise God throughout our day because God is worthy to be praised from A to Z. Can we give him praise this morning? Amen. In all times. In all situations, God is worthy to be praised. Now, this psalm will cover every aspect of verbal praise. Turn to your neighbor and say, verbal praise. You see, there is a time when we need to be still in the presence of the Lord. There's a time when we need to be silent. In the presence of the Lord, Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. And when he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. Amen. And there are times when we need to quiet our hearts before the Lord and we need to allow him to speak. We did this a few moments ago when we received communion. But then there comes time for verbal praise. Amen. This is what Hebrews says, the writer of Hebrews in chapter number 13, in verse 15, he says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews does not refer to the heart. It doesn't refer to the faults. It refers to our lips. God wants us to have lips of praise, lips that speak and sing and praise of his name. Real sounds, amen, real words. And the verse says he wants them continually. And so let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to our God, which is the fruit of our lips. And we know the word of God says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? say so. And in this Psalm, David will cover every aspect of verbal praise. In this Psalm, David's going to extol. He's going to bless. He's going to praise. He's going to declare. He's going to speak. He's going to utter. He's going to make known the praises of our God. Can you imagine, Pastor, what our services, what our worship services would look like if we all came in ready to extol and bless and praise and declare and speak? 
speak and utter and sing and make known his greatness and praise his name. Can I tell you, church, God would fill this place with his presence and God would fill this place with his glory. The scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people and we enter into his gates. How? With thanksgiving and we enter into his courts with praise and we bless his name. Amen. So every aspect of verbal praise is seen in Psalms 145. Now, I believe in this portion of scripture that simple theology emerges from this psalm. I said this might be the simplest message that I have ever preached. Now, as a pastor, I am a student of the word of God. As a pastor, I am a student of theology. You may not know this, but theology is defined as the study of God. And there's really five types of theology that as a pastor we engage in. As a, as a pastor in pastoral ministry, we study. There's five types of theology. The first would be biblical theology. We study and we read the word of God and, and we take a topic, let's say the Holy Spirit, and we'll read the word of God from cover to cover and find out everything that God's word has to say. And then we'll take our findings, we'll take the scriptures, we'll put them all together, we'll form systems. And that's referred to as systematic theology. And in Bible school, that's a lot of what you read and study. Countless hours were put in reading and studying biblical and systematic theology. But then our theology has to work. Our theology has to be practical. And that's referred to as apologetic theology. But we're not the only Christians ever to be born. There were, there were Christians who came before us. The writer of Hebrews says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so there's historical theology. We study the history of the church and the history of the Christian faith. And last, there's pastoral theology. What it means to be a pastor. And it's important that we study. Amen. It's important that we study the word of God. The scripture says, study to show ourselves approved workmen who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And Joshua said, the book of the law should not depart from our mouths and we're to meditate and we're to study day and night. But I believe what emerges from Psalms 145 is a simple theology. It's so simple that every child in this room will know it. Every child in this room can understand it, and yet it's deep enough that if we will apply it to our hearts, it can have a profound impact on our lives. Are you ready for the simple theology that comes from Psalms 145? I promise you it's so simple. I'm nervous some of you are going to walk out on me this morning, okay? Are you ready for this? Here's the theology that comes from Psalms 145. God is great and God is good. And let us thank him for our food. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to forget the part about the food. I want you to get over the fact that good and food, they don't rhyme. And what you're left with is God is great and God is good. Can I tell you, church, the God we serve is a great God and the God we serve is a good God. Amen. And if you can get these two spiritual truths, these two spiritual realities into your life, can I tell you, church, it's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you act. It's going to change the way you behave. It's going to change 
change the way you talk. It's going to change the way you interact with others. It's going to change the way you do business. It's going to change the way you raise your children. It's going to change your attitude. It will change every part of your life. And what you have in Psalms 144 is an elegant summary of Almighty God. The two things you need to know about God from this text. Number one, God is great. And number two, God is good. Amen. And it's natural to want to hang our theology on something a little more solid and a little deeper, something a little more substantial. But many of us haven't begun to walk in the light of what we already know to be true. Now, to be fair, I need to mention this. This mini catechism didn't actually begin as a children's prayer. It's actually found in the word of God, Psalm 62. One thing God has spoken And two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. What's the psalmist saying? He's saying God is strong, number one, he's great. And he's saying, and God is loving, he's good. God is great. And God is good. And these truths form the solid foundation for real trust in God. The solid foundation for real trust in God. You see, I can trust in God and I can have confidence in God and I can put my faith in God. You want to know why? Because he's great and he's good. Amen. And I don't have to live this life in fear because he's great and he's good. And I don't have to live life full of worry and full of anxiety. Why? Because he's great and because he's good. And I don't have to fret about tomorrow and I don't have to worry about the future. Why? Because he's great and he's good. And I can have audacious and authentic faith in him because he's great and he's good. His mercy endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Look how Nahum put it in the Old Testament. Nahum chapter 1. In verse 3, Nahum said, The Lord is slow to anger. He's great in power. And then in verse 7, he said, The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. In the balance of our time, I want to speak on the greatness of God and the goodness of God. Amen. Let's go back to the text. Verse 3, Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, verse 6. And I will declare your greatness. David said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. David's talking about the great I am. This is the God who spoke through a burning bush to Moses who had to remove his sandals because he was standing on holy ground. And the psalmist said his greatness is unsearchable. I like how it renders in other translations. In the NLV, it says it's too great for anyone to understand. In the NLT, it says no one can measure his greatness. In the message, it says there are no boundaries to his greatness. In the Amplified, it says, and his greatness is so vast and profound as to be. It's unsearchable. It's incomprehensible to man. And the NIV says his greatness no one can fathom. I don't know if you saw this past week, but NASA put out new images. I don't know how many of you saw this. It's all over the Internet. New images 
from the Hubble telescope using infrared technology, new pictures from the center of our galaxy, from the center of the the Milky Way galaxy, and they found a, a dense new cluster of stars just released the photos this week. I, I have the, the, the image on the screen for you this morning. It's the center of our galaxy. The scientists believe that in this picture, there's over a half a million new stars. And I remembered looking at these images and looking at these pictures before I was even asked to, to preach this morning, this past week. And I saw them and I remember saying, God, you are great. And God, you're greatly to be praised. I'm reminded that the scripture says the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. You may not know this, but without a telescope, You can only see about 3,000 stars from any point on earth. 3,000 stars. And yet the scientists estimate that the universe contains at least 70 sextillion stars. That's 70,000 million, million, million stars. That's seven followed by 22 zeros or 10 times the number of grains of sand on the earth. And the psalmist tells us by the word of the Lord that the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all of their hosts, God spoke and the heavens were. Amen. I love how the prophet Isaiah views it. He says, lift up your eyes in chapter 40. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. All 70 sextillion stars, 70,000 million, million, million stars. He calls them by name. And because of the greatness of his might, And the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Can I tell you, church, God is so great. He spoke the universe into existence. And then he stooped down and he measured it in the palm of his hand. Amen. And our God is the one who leveled Jericho's walls while Joshua and the people walked laps in childlike obedience. And can I tell you, church, our God is the one who took on flesh in the incarnation. He walked among us. He opened blind eyes. He raised dead people to life and remember not only did he walk on water but he enabled an ordinary fisherman to walk on water with him and can I tell you this morning church there's no prayer that's too big for our God amen and there's no sickness that's too great there's no obstacle that's too large there's no vision that's too sweeping and there's no risk that is too great and we need to be a church that dreams God worthy dreams amen and we need to pray faith fueled prayer We need to live lives that can only be explained by the existence of a God who's infinitely great. Amen. Bless the Lord. You see, if there's no limit to what God can do, then there's no limit to what we can dream or pray to accomplish in his name and in his service. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter number 10. The Lord, your God is God of God's. He's Lord of Lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. 
Psalms 24, 8, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who's mighty in battle. Jeremiah 50, their redeemer strong. Their redeemer strong. The Lord almighty is his name. Can I tell you, church, he is the great I am. Amen. Look at verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another. And shall declare your mighty acts. This is an encouragement, but it's also a stirring challenge. We're to be actively talking to our children about the greatness of their God and the goodness of God. Amen. And so as a family, do you pray together? As a family, do you read the word of God together? And do you read the word of God to one another? When difficulty comes, do you remind your family that they have been given an opportunity to put their trust and their faith in Almighty God? And as a family, do you celebrate the answers to prayer when they come? We're challenged to pass along what we know to the next generation. And as parents, we're to praise God before our children. And our children should see us pray. Our children should see us read the word of God. Our children should see us worship. Our children should see us crying out to God. Each generation is to catch the praises from the last, echo them, and pass them along to the next. Amen. David will praise God because of his great work, but also because of his goodness. The goodness of God. Look at verse 7. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness. They shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and he's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Can I tell you, church, we cannot separate what is good from God and you cannot have goodness without God and you cannot have God without goodness because God alone is good. Amen. Psalm 16 and verse 2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. In Matthew 19, verse 16, just that a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And, and Jesus said, Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. And you may not know this. But God is good is the ringing affirmation of the word of God throughout. Amen. Psalms 118 and verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Amen. Fast forward to the New Testament. And we know that Jesus himself is the highest degree of embodiment of divine goodness. Go back to Psalms 23. Psalms 23 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, and I lay my life down for my sheep. And church, I want you to know, I don't think there's a greater description of the goodness of God than in that verse that Jesus said. He said, I know my own, and my own know me, and I lay my life down. What great goodness to have the privilege to know the Lord personally and intimately. Amen. 
And then his goodness is demonstrated in the fact that he lays his life down for those who have strayed. And we know in his goodness, God provided a way for sinners to be forgiven and to be declared righteous. And it's not by any good works, which we do, but on the basis of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his goodness, we experience his grace. In his goodness, we experience his mercy. In his goodness, we experience his loving kindness. Psalms 135 in verse 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for he is gracious. Psalms 86.5. You, Lord, are forgiving. And you, Lord, are good. And then Psalms 100. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness endures forever. If you're thankful for his grace, if you're thankful for his mercy, if you're thankful for his loving kindness in your life, would you just lift your hands right now in the presence of the Lord and thank God for grace, thank him for his mercy, thank him for his loving kindness. If you're thankful this morning that his mercies are new each and every morning, would you just lift your hands this morning and give God some praise, amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, his goodness means that his greatness is working in our lives for our good. Turn to your neighbor and say, for our good. Turn to your other neighbor and say, for our good. Not necessarily your momentary happiness, but for your ultimate good. Paul said in Romans 8, he said, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's the problem we have. The problem we have is that we have a distorted view of the goodness of God in our lives. Let me explain. We stand up in church. We stand up before our friends. We jump all on social media and we get up and we say... I just got a new car. I just bought a new house. I just got a new raise. I just got a promotion. I just bought a boat. And then on the end, we tag it with the Lord is good. Can I tell you, church, God is good if you're homeless. It's true. And God is good if you live in a mansion. And God is good if you drive a $100,000 vehicle. And God is good if you're taking the city bus. And God is good if you're wearing an Armani suit. And God is good if you're wearing blue jeans. You don't judge the goodness of God by what you have or don't have. Regardless of what you have or don't have in this life, I want you to know the God you serve, he's good, amen? And this is why we need to be reminded of this simple yet powerful truth because sometimes the pressures of our daily lives can push our belief system down deep under the surface and pain and struggle and difficulty and challenges can color the lens through which we view all of God's activities in the past, in the present, in the future in our lives. And we can lose track of these two simple truths that God is great and that God is good. And in an emotional haze, it doesn't take long to start thinking that the goodness of God is a lie. Asaph in the Old Testament had a distorted view 
of God's goodness in Psalm 73. Asaph was David's chief musician. In Psalm 73, he begins the first word, first verse with the word good, and he ends his psalm with the word good. And in verse 1, he defined good as the absence of pain and difficulty and trouble and sorrow and ill health and poverty. But in verse 28, he defined good meaning something much different. It's on the screen for you. Look at it. Psalm 73 and verse 28. Don't miss it this morning. Don't miss this. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. And I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all thy works. Can I tell you, church, nearness to God, intimacy with God, Fellowship with God, fellowship with the Holy Spirit is our highest good. Amen. And so we can say today that whatever interferes with our nearness to God, whatever interferes with our fellowship with God is actually evil. It may not be evil in and of itself, but if your career, if your job is interfering with your relationship with God, if it's having a profound effect upon intimacy and fellowship with God, then it's become evil in your life. And if that's true, whatever draws us into deeper fellowship with God is actually good. Amen. When life is hard, when life is full of pain, we need to be reminded of his goodness to us. Amen. In the end, Job's suffering brought him nearer to God. Thus, his suffering was good. And Paul's suffering brought him nearer to God, and he saw it as a blessing. Church, look back over your life. And some of you have gone through some stuff. And some of you have experienced hard times. And start counting. I encourage you this morning, start counting what could have happened. And start counting what should have happened. And start counting what would have happened. And start counting what almost happened. If God had not been good to you, some of you wouldn't be here this morning. Amen. And always remember, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through now, God has been good to you. You're here today. You're alive today. You're breathing today. God has let you see another day. He's been good to you. And his goodness will always prevail. And when you remember that fact, it changes the way you view life. It'll change the way you view challenges. And it'll change the way you view your adversities. And never forget, church, Never forget, God has been better to you than you and I deserve. It's true. He's been better to us than what we deserve. We're saved, we're forgiven, we're redeemed by the power of God. And even if God never does anything else for us, his single act of love on the cross demonstrated his goodness for all time. Amen. Our time is slipping away. We need to wrap this up. Look at verse 21. We come to David's final words. Verse 21, and I don't know who's playing. Billy, if you can come and just play softly on the keyboard. David's final words. You know, a person's last words are significant. 
These are David's closing remarks in the Psalms. The great psalmist wrote 73 of the Psalms. Here are his final words. He said, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. The great Charles Spurgeon, the English pastor once said, praise now is one of the great duties of the redeemed. And it will be their employment forever. Our employment forever will be to praise the Lord. And David is saying, my mouth will always praise the Lord. And David is saying, all of flesh will praise his holy name. We're never going to stop praising God, not in this life. Not the life to come. Not for one moment, for all of eternity. It will be our employment forever. We will sing his praises and we will worship his great and his holy name. The psalmist in 146 will echo this theme in verse 21. He said, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. And I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Reminds me of the story of John Wesley. He was on his deathbed at the age of 88. The year was 1791. He was days away from his death. And the night before his death, his extreme weakness, he began to sing a hymn. The hymn is called, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. I have the words on the screen. I'll praise my maker while I have breath. When my voice is lost in death. Praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall near be past. While life and thought and being lasts or immortality endures. The day he died, he woke up in the morning. And all he could get out was, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. I'll praise my maker while I have breath. Hours later, all Wesley could get out was, I'll praise my maker. I'll praise my maker. I'll praise my maker. Moments before he passed, in tremendous weakness, all he could get out was, I'll praise. I'll praise. I'll praise. And with the maker on his lips and in his heart, Wesley passed to that life where immortality endures. I'll praise my maker. Wow. I breath. Let me give you the application. We got to wrap this up and go home. Let me give you the application. When I look at the life of David, when I view this as his final Psalms, here's the first application. This psalm teaches that sometimes it takes time to see that the Lord was with us in the wilderness, the darkness, the difficult place. But when we put our trust in the Lord, we will see the whole and not the half. Amen. You may not understand why things are happening in your life right now, but remember, all things work for the good. Amen. Here's a second application when we think of his greatness. We have assurance that nothing 
is beyond the power and the control of Almighty God. Amen. There's nothing too difficult for our God. Amen. Number three, third application, no matter how weary or distraught we may become, God's vast power is always available to those who look to him. Amen. Maybe you hear it today, say, Pastor Joe, I'm tired. I'm weak in body. God's vast power is available to you today. Amen. Give me number four, Kirk. When we experience suffering and adversity in our lives, our confidence in his goodness should not be undermined. Instead, we should be reassured of his goodness in our lives. Amen. Church, God is great and God is good. Amen. And if you know he's great, if you know he's good this morning, would you just stand to your feet all over this place? And in an act of verbal praise, can we just begin to lift our voices before the Lord? Come on, church, let's lift our voices. If you know he's great, if you know he's good, let's begin to extol the Lord. Let's begin to bless the Lord. Let's begin to praise him this morning. Let's make known his goodness. Let's make known his greatness. Amen. He's great and he's good. Amen. He's greatly to be praised. Come on. You don't need to be encouraged this morning. You don't need to be coached this morning. Come on. Just worship God. Worship God. Lift your hands. Lift your voices this morning. Give him praise. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah.